And Father God, we thank you for whatever language we speak, you understand that it comes from you. God, I thank you that uh, your amazing story, that language starts when man wants to build their own city. And you say, no, 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 I'm going to confuse them. But that language comes back together at Pentecost that when the Holy Spirit came, everybody got it. Everybody understood. And they might have been speaking in different languages, but God, they understood. I thank you for that because, God, we need to understand who you are. And we need to understand what your son has done. And we need to experience your love afresh today. So God, use the language of a broken sinner like me to tell a story of you that's true and it's real. Come with such power, Holy Spirit, that that all of us will understand who we are in your image, whose we are through the work of your Son, so that we all can flourish for your glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. And Katie told me as she was starting the year that she was thinking about one particular word that God was going to call her to think about all year, to kind of wrap 2013 around this word, to, to plumb its depths, to wrestle with it, to try to really figure out what does this mean in her life? What does this mean in God's sight? And so she's telling me this, and I'm kind of being drawn in, saying, well, what a great idea. Again, way more spiritual than I am. And she says, trust. I mean, trust is the word that I feel like God is calling me to, to just kind of have in that frontal lobe all year long. And I think it's probably a result of us going through a cancer battle in 20, uh, 2009 and probably uh, having to go through some dark times that, that we really, for the first time in our lives, were called to walk by faith. Have you ever been there? You ever had to walk by faith? I mean, really walk by faith? I don't know about you, but I don't always like it. I don't think I like it hardly at all. I'm kind of a sight guy, you know? I mean, I like things that are clearly laid out and I could follow that. But what, what are this walk by faith stuff? And really what's wrapped up in there is that word trust. And I got excited thinking, Lord Jesus, may that be true of us. May, may we trust you no matter where you bring us this year, no matter where we find ourselves. May there be a trust that God is good and God is in control. Maybe that's a word that you need to wrestle with. Well, typical is that Katie's been thinking about this. I mean, she took some time to ponder. But as soon as she started telling me the story, she started saying, hey, I want to have a new word for the year. I mean, immediately mine came. Because, you know, that's how I am. I don't need to think about it. Bam, right there it is. I got my word. And my word is flourish. Flourishing. What, what, what does flourishing look like in my life in 2013? What does what flourishing look like in, in this church for, for 2013? What is flourishing like? What does what flourishing look like in our community? I mean, what would it be for us to really flourish in God's sight? Well, today we're two weeks into a, a, a little sermon series, four-week sermon series that I've entitled Averting the Spiritual Cliff. And if there was one word that wrapped up last week's sermon, and I know what you're thinking, there's one word that he could have said for last week's sermon? Maybe. But all those others, no extra charge. But there's one word that wrapped up last week's sermon. It would be transforming. It would be as we look at averting the spiritual cliff that 
what God has done for us in Christ Jesus is really quite amazing. And now he's calling us to live these transformed lives, which, which means this, that he now, through his love and the work of his son, is calling us to, to unplug ourselves, that our lives would be something so much bigger than living for our pathetic little lives, that we are to have our lives as a living sacrifice, that we are to be plugged into his story, that we're to be plugged into his love. And to do that, we got to unplug our, our selfish ambition and our vain conceit. But more than that, he says for us, for, for those of us that are called his bride, his children, those of us that he set this eternal love on, that we are to unplug ourselves from the world. It says, don't, don't be conformed anymore to the pattern of this world, the thinking of this world, but we're going to be transformed. The metamorphosis should happen because of the gospel. And we should be unplugging ourselves that make us look more like the world and less like Jesus. And we are to be plugged into the gospel, to be transformed. Well, the word that I believe God has for me this year and for us this morning is the word flourishing. I mean, averting this spiritual cliff. How do we just not avert the spiritual cliff, but how do we flourish? I have really good news for you because some of you may be new here and may uh, think, "Uh uh-oh, what kind of church am I in here? Um, I got a pastor who's standing up and he wants to talk about flourishing. And it seems like in America, there's a lot of churches that will tell you that, that flourishing has to do with health, wealth, and prosperity. And I want to tell you that God has something so much bigger and so much more biblical. That, that flourishing is not that, but what really is flourishing in God's sight. That's where we're going. We're going to unpack what does flourishing look like to God who made us and for us to live our lives for his glory. So we're going to start in the very beginning of the story. And turn with me to Genesis 1. If you don't have your Bibles, it should be listed for you in the bulletin. It'll be on the screen behind me. And we're going to start with a creation story. And matter of fact, we're not going to start with even the beginning of the creation story. We're going to jump right into uh, the fourth day is over the fifth day and see what God is saying about this word flourishing. And then we're going to look one verse in the Gospel of John. We're going to pick that up as well. But as I read God's word and, and as you listen to God's word, May we all think about this word flourishing and what does it look like to us? God's word written for us in Genesis 1 verse 20. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures. I mean, let let them teem, he's saying. I mean, let these things flourish. And let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of heaven. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves, with which the waters swarm, they flourish, according to their kinds. And every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, flourish, he basically says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and the sea. And let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, the crown jewel of his creation. uh, Actually, I'm ahead of myself. Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds again. Livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw it was good. 
Here we go. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man. How gloriously did he? He created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Both male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, flourish. And fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Turn with me to John, the Gospel of John. I'm going to look at one verse, John 1.16, talking of Jesus. And from his flourishing, from his, Jesus' fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. Let us pray. Oh, Father God, from the fullness and the flourishing of your Son, May we receive grace upon grace. Give us ears to hear the voice of Jesus. Holy Spirit, come and shine into our dark minds, our our forgetful minds, the truth of who you are and what your son has done. Oh God, for your glory, and so that we can have lives that flourish in your sight, I pray that you would take our hearts that are still stony with sin, or, or dark with unbelief and break them so that we can flourish, so they could beat for you. Oh God, would you come with the power of your spirit in such a way, such a powerful, tangible, gospel-soaked way that our feet will be able to walk in a manner worthy of your name in the gospel, that our feet would flourish and our lives would flourish. This church would flourish. This community would flourish. For the glory of Christ, we pray. Amen. If you have a bulletin, you want to follow along with me, we'll look at what this flourishing looks like. And the first point that we have is this, is that there's such good news that the God who is, this God who created all things, this good God, that he has created us in his image, in his reflection, and he has created us to flourish. It's God's intention. God's intention from the beginning that we would have lives that reflect who he is and what he has done and that he is a God who's created us to flourish. Good news. Sometimes we think God's an ogre. Does God really want us to flourish? Does God create us to be slaves? No, no. According to God's word that we flourish because we bear his image. We are to flourish in a way that we reflect who he is. He wants us to live our lives in such flourishing, you ready for this, that when people see us, they see him. He wants our lives to flourish to tell his story. So they see us and say, hmm, something peculiar, something odd, something divine that's going on there and flourishing in his image, reflecting who he is. As we read the big story of the Bible, one of the big no-nos that God tells us in our lives, he says, listen, don't have idols. Don't set your heart and your affections on anything but me. Now, why would God say that? 
We see God has created us in such a beautiful way, in such an amazing design, is that we're made in his image. He's saying this, he says, basically, you're my reflection. Go a little bit further. He's saying, you're my idol. And I've made you on earth in a specific way. So when people see you, they see me. How amazing. Therefore, don't set your hearts on anything that's of this creation. Don't set your hearts on anything else because that will, A, you will never flourish ultimately the way I've made you. And B, they won't see me in this. I've created you to flourish, God says. I've created you to flourish in my image. I've created you in such a way that you basically are my idol. And God says, I want you to live as I intended you to live. Did you hear how many times I said, in its kind, in its kind, how I have created you to live and where I have created you to live? He says, I want you to swarm. I want you to team. I want you to flourish. And we got to answer the question, what does it look like to flourish in God's sight? This is very important. You might want to write it down. I mean, flourishing in God's sight is two things. It's the first one is this. It's in submission to God as king. Flourishing in God's sight, the way he made us and wired us, is living our lives, submitting our lives, unplugging our lives, and living for God as king, as he is the creator king of the universe. That's how he's wired us. So living our lives is saying, I'm bowing to you, great God, as the Alpha and the Omega. I bow my life before you. I submit my will to you. So flourishing in God's eyes is this. Are you living in submission? But there's more, and it's, it's, even, it's even grander. The second thing is this. On mission for God as king. So you, we are living uh, in submission to God as king, and we're living on mission. That's, that's flourishing right from the beginning. God has says, I have created you with a specific intent. Fill the earth with my glory. Flourish, multiply, increase. Wherever there's darkness, bring light. Wherever there's chaos, bring order. Wherever there's void, bring beauty. Flourish, fill the whole earth with my glory. So here's what we gotta do. Live on, uh, in submission to God as king and his big plan and live on mission for God as king. That's what he's created us to do and to flourish, to swarm, to, to fill the earth with swarming, with flourishing. This is true before the fall, which means I read Genesis 1. This is how it was in perfection. But I can read Genesis 8, 17 and Genesis 9, 7. After the fall, after God's judgment came to Noah, uh, to the world, and he saved Noah and his family, who was righteous. What does God tell Noah? Multiply. Flourish, fill the earth. It always has been, it is, and it always will be God's design for us to fill the earth with his glory. Listen, it's always been, it always is, and it always will be that we live lives that flourish for his glory. That's how he wants us to live. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he basically says, I want you to pray this way. And this prayer is basically praying for God's flourishing in our lives. He says this, when you pray, pray to the Father uh, whose name is holy. Uh, Pray to the Father, call him, I mean, have the audacity to call the creator God, Father, in Christ Jesus, the most intimate terms. Pray to Abba, Father, but pray this way. Thy kingdom 
those living in submission and on mission, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, where? On earth as it is in heaven. And so God is really, Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray for flourishing. And how does flourishing happen in our lives, in our church, in our community? It's when the kingdom of God shows up. When the invisible kingdom and the reign and rule of God is evident in our lives, in our church. That's flourishing, swarming. We're to fill the earth with that. That was the first point. Secondly, God created us to flourish in the environment in which he has placed us. It's, listen, it's not just flourish someday. It's not just flourish when you get through this difficulty. It's not just flourish around the bend. What God is saying, whatever circumstances you find yourself right this nanosecond sitting where you are, he is telling you to flourish, not wait. Interesting, he says in Exodus 1-7 in Jeremiah, he has called his people to flourish in places like Egypt and Babylon. If you're familiar with the larger story of the Bible, um, Egypt and Babylon are dark places. They seem to be a place outside of the promised land, outside of maybe God's blessing, uh, maybe even a place of exile. So are we really to flourish even in those places? Yes, he tells us that even in those places, we are to seek the shalom of the city in which he's placed us to flourish. Listen to Exodus 1-7. He says, when God's people were in Egypt, but the people of Israel were fruitful and they increased greatly. This word increased greatly is they, they flourished. They multiplied and they grew, they grew exceedingly strong so that the land was filled with them. And then the prophet Jeremiah, he writes this to the, uh, to the Israelites who were in Babylon. Now, what I'm about to read is not going to mean as much to us as it did to them, the original audience. But let me just give you a little bit of a stage. When, when the prophet is speaking to those in Babylon, their <laughs> flourishing is not in their frontal lobe. I mean, they're in exile. And then they feel banishment. I mean, they're, they're out of the land. And they're trying to think, how do we live outside of God's promised land. What do we do? And Jeremiah comes with some amazing words for them and for us that basically are going to say these, wherever I have placed you, whatever circumstances you are in, your call is to flourish. Listen to Jeremiah 29, four through seven. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent, interesting of God's sovereignty and providence, into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. That means from the good place to the dark place. He says, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they may bear sons and daughters. Ready for this? Multiply there. Flourish. There is what he says. And do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city which I've sent you into exile. Seek the shalom. Seek the prosperity. Seek the flourishing of the city that I've sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf. For as it flourishes, for in its welfare, you will have welfare or flourishing. I think of uh, the Bible story of Joseph. Joseph was one of uh, uh, Jacob's 12 sons, a man of God. Uh, he had 12 sons, and, and Joseph was the favorite son. Parents, we should never play favorites. Maybe when you have 12 sons, you have one. I don't know. But Joseph was it, and everybody knew it. 
Some reason, uh, the dad gave Joseph a really nice looking multicolored rainbow jacket that must have been like really cool in his day. And all I know about the jacket is this. It made his brothers really angry. It angered his brothers. He's like, dang it. Joseph gets the best jacket, man. He gets all the good stuff. Dad loves Joseph the best. Let's kill him. You know, it's interesting because we don't like flourishing with other people, do we? Isn't that sad about our, even our own brothers sometimes, even our own sisters are flourishing and they're jealous. So they say, you know what? We can't kill him. He's our brother. Let's don't kill him. What are we thinking? Dumb. Gosh, yeah, we can't kill him. Let's sell him. Yeah, let's sell him into slavery. Much better idea. That's a good idea. So, hey, knock him into a pit. Let's take that stupid colored jacket that we all ticked about, soak it in some blood and come back to pop and say, I guess your son got torn to pieces and we can make a little coin selling our brother. Hey, good idea. Let's do that. So he's sold to a guy named Potiphar. They bring him down to Egypt. Bad place. And guess what happens? He prospered. He flourished. Now, I don't know about you, but if my brother sold me to slavery and uh, I'm, I'm living in Egypt and I'm at somebody's house and I'm a slave, I'm not flourishing. I'm, I'm, used, I'm probably lamenting. I'm probably, uh, uh, I, I might use bad words. I'm, 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 I'm kvetching. I, I'm arguing. I'm doing some really bad things. But Joseph, he flourished because he knew something amazing about God. He said, even when evil came and when the brothers intended for evil, God intended for good. And Joseph, listen, where God placed him in slavery in Egypt, he flourished so much that Potiphar's like, this guy, I'm gonna put everything in charge. And he flourished so much. He was a good looking guy. He flourished so much as a good-looking guy. Guess who noticed him? Potiphar's wife. Say, man, this guy's got something. He's, he's handsome and what a physique. I, I, I want I Joseph. Comes to Joseph. Hey, Joseph, man, let's, let's, let's have an affair. And I, I don't believe it because Joseph, listen, he's been sold by his brothers. He's in, away from home. He's in Egypt. And now he has a chance for revenge. And now he has a chance to find maybe love in another woman's arms. And he says this, how could I do this and sin against God? Amazing how he said, I'm going to flourish. And let me tell you what God did to his flourishing and God did to his obedience. God was said, man, that's awesome, Joseph. I'm going to throw you in prison. Well done. Great job. Potiphar comes home. His wife has concocted a story saying, this guy's making fun of me. He says, all right, he got off to prison. So guess what Joseph did? He flourished. (laughs) He's in Egypt. He's in a prison and he flourishes. And the point is, wherever God has you, you're called to flourish. If you feel you're in prison, if you feel you've been done wrong, if you feel like, like, like life's against you. I mean, the guy had every reason in prison to say enough. And he said, no, I'm going to live for God and his glory. And what happened in prison? He became like the, the most respected prisoner. I don't know what that means, but I mean, they put everything in charge of this guy. He's like, man, take care of it. He gets forgotten about again, but eventually he gets put in a foreign government working for the most powerful man in the land. And guess what he did? He flourished. You see, wherever you are, whatever you've done, God's called us to flourish. True life choice is here. They talk about the fact that even life needs to flourish in the womb, wherever we are. All right, your pastor did something crazy yesterday. I ran the Disney half marathon yesterday. I ran a race through a magical kingdom. 
with a bunch of weirdos. I'm telling you. I had Princess Leah pass me. I mean, I, I had one lady that was in a cast from her knee down that I didn't pass until the seventh mile. I said, ma'am, you both are an inspiration and are absolutely ripping me apart. I mean, how can I just be passing you now? I knocked her over. I said, that's it. I'm just kidding. But, you know, it's interesting because they set up a lot of props and there's a lot of different picture moments. And, and I couldn't figure out why anybody in their right man, mind wanted to stop and get a picture with Goofy when you're running a half marathon. I mean, what's up with that? Or stop it all. And, and then I felt for those poor people in costume that had to have a bunch of sweaty runners stand next to them. thinking that's got to be a terrible job. But you see, all I wanted to do was run from mile marker to mile marker. I didn't really care about anything else. Didn't care about the castle. Didn't care. I cared about seeing my wife and my coach, but that was it. But, you know, I just wanted to get the race over. I just want that next mile marker. Are you living your life from mile marker to mile marker? I mean, are you really not living? Are you really not flourishing? Are you just saying, I just got to get past this. I just got to get to that next, that next goal. I just got to get my head down and just get through this. And God is saying, listen, whatever environment I've put you in, don't do that. Life is not about running to the next mile marker. Life is about flourishing now in the environment in which I've placed you in Christ Jesus. And here I am running the race thinking, I don't want to have any kind of uh, pictures taken in this magical kingdom. You see, God says, I've come and I've come to rescue you and I want you to run a race in a kingdom that's real. And I want you to run for a king who loves and who leads. And I want you to run your race of your life in submission to him and on mission for him. And I don't want you to run just mile marker to mile marker and, and wait till this happens in my life and wait till that happens. Flourish now for the glory of Christ where he has you. You see, God has not only created us in the environment, but he also has created the church to flourish. I'm going to read two verses, Acts 9.31 and Acts 16.5. Acts 9.31, it says this, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And listen what was happening when God's flourishing. And walking in the fear of the Lord. It doesn't mean like, oh, God. Fear in the Lord means I'm on mission for him. I'm, I'm in submission to him, I should say. Fear of the Lord says, I acknowledge that God is king of my life. and I'm going to live for him. So walking in, uh, uh, in submission to the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, being on mission of the, for uh, the Lord, they multiplied. In Acts 16.5, so the churches were strengthened in their faith and they increased in their numbers daily. They flourished. They flourished because they were living in submission. They flourished because they were empowered for mission. They flourished individually and collectively. What does flourishing look like for this church? I'm going to encourage you, walk out of here. Don't go out the front doors. Go out and see our ministry partners. Some great opportunities to be on mission and get plugged in. Lastly, we can only flourish. Listen, you got to tune in for this part. We can only flourish in and through Jesus. Did you hear that? We can only flourish in and through Jesus. He didn't come so we could just make our lives a little bit better. He came for something much more profound and much more radically. Jesus says, I have come to give you life and I've come to give you life. You ready for this? Abundantly. I want to give you life that flourishes. 
flourishes in every situation. And where do we get that flourishing? From Jesus's flourishing life, we have received grace upon grace. That's at John 1.16. It's amazing. It says this, from his fullness, from his uh, uh, flourishing, we have all received grace upon grace. Last week, we looked at the reality that God is not calling us in Christ Jesus just to be better or to be moral. He says, I've got something more. I want you to flourish. And the only way you will truly flourish, listen to this, is if the life of Christ, the resurrected life of Christ is in and through us, that's flourishing. It's dying to ourselves and letting that resurrected life be our lives. My life is hidden with Christ. And the life I now live, I live for him and his glory. You see, we can't flourish unless the life of Christ is in us. What an amazing God. How do we have that life and how did he secure it for us? You see, Jesus has come. He came as the exact idol or image of God. He was God. He lived the life that we should have lived. He died the death that we deserved so that we can flourish. I got another passage of scripture, Hebrew 1. Hebrews was written to a uh, mostly Jewish Christians. And it's going to talk about who Jesus is. And it says this, Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. We read one of them today, Jeremiah. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. I mean, he, he loves us so much. His son speaks, the ultimate prophet, God in flesh, whom he appointed to be the heir of all things. He owns all things, through whom also he created the world. And this is what it says. He is the radiance of the glory of God in the exact image, the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the power of his word. And after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of uh, the majesty on high, having become as much more superior to angels as the name he was inherited is much more excellent than theirs. The point is this. Jesus came to show us what the image of God is all about. He came to show us this is what it was intended to be. This is man in its fullest. This is the exact image of God living, listen, in submission to the Father. I do nothing apart from the Father. This is the perfect image of man saying, I live on mission. I've come to seek to save the lost. That is fullness to the nth degree. It's in Jesus, the Son. He says, now from my fullness, I want to give you grace upon grace. I want to cover your sins. I want to show up in your dark places. I want to remind you of how much I love you. And I want to flourish in you for the glory of God. And now Colossians 1.10 says, Now we walk in a manner worthy of the Lord and flourishing. Listen to this. To walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and flourishing and increasing in the knowledge of God. My word for the year, flourishing. In one word, Jesus. What is your word of focus going to be for this year? Wrestle with that. I have three questions to leave you with. What does flourishing look like in your life? 
I mean, what, 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 what are you going to look back on in 2014 and say, I flourished? What does flourishing look like in your life? On mission and being in submission? What does flourishing look like in this church? You're the church. How do we flourish for the glory of God? I think we are, but more. And what does flourishing look like in this community? He has placed us here. It may feel like exile, but we're here so that this central Florida and world will flourish with the gospel in and through us. We're all running a race. You know that, don't you? Who are you running the race for? You? Are you running the race for God and his glory? And I know at the end of the race, by God's grace and design, I'm going to receive something a whole lot better than this. Because I know that there's one that's waiting for his children. And I know that there's a prize that's already been won, secured, and all the blessings in the heavenly realms are now ours. And my brothers and sisters, that's where we're heading. No more tears, no more sorrow, no more saying, I got to th- survive in this environment. We will be surviving seeing him face to face. And we will have riches that will not fade away in Christ. Who are you running for? And who's going to be the end of that journey? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the amazing grace that you have given to us, that you've made us in your image. And God, you made us in your image to thrive, to flourish. And when we messed it up and we sinned, you saved us, you saved Noah. You saved the human race, you saved your people. And you said to us, flourish. And you knew that the only way we would flourish is if you sent your son to be the exact image of God, God in flesh, to live truly in submission to you, Father, to truly live on mission for you. That's flourishing. And then to go onto that cross and bear our sin and our filth and our disqualification so that now our lives can flourish in Christ. Father, if there's anyone here who's running a life, running a race that's not for you, may today be the day where you interrupt And by your grace and glory, you say, no, the only race worth living is flourishing in my son, Jesus. By grace upon grace, we've received your love in Christ. And Father, for all of us who by your your grace are running this race for you, some of us are in dark places. Some of us are sore. Some of us are beat up. Some of us don't think we can go on. But God, wherever we are, it's by your design. And God, may this church, may us individually learn how to flourish for you because at the end of the race, those nail-pierced arms will be spread out and say, welcome home. May we flourish. Amen.